Well, welcome to Holy Trinity on this really hot morning. Can I just say, I won't be in the slightest offended if I see anyone fanning themselves with their service sheets while I'm preaching. It is one of those mornings, so go for it. And we are in the middle of our summer sermon series here at Holy Trinity at the moment. And if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you'll know that we've been looking at the one another sayings in the New Testament. And today we get to bear one another's burdens. And this comes from the book of Galatians, which is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Galatia. In a moment, we'll look at it together. But can I ask you just to hold off for a second? And I'll tell you when I want you to open your Bibles. Just before we do that, what images or thoughts does that phrase conjure up for you? Bear one another's burdens. Just think on that for a second. Well, for me, I thought of a few examples. Some really literal, okay, so I've got a bad back at the moment and there have been quite a few times recently when I've not been able to move something heavy and I've had to ask someone else literally to bear a burden for me in the shape of something too heavy to carry. But of course there's more to it than that as well, isn't there? You know, perhaps if we're anxious about something and we can unburden ourselves to someone else by sharing our worries with them or if we've got a friend or someone at work who's got too much on their plate we can help bear their burden and help them out by taking on one of their responsibilities for them. These are all great ways in which we can bear one another's burdens and be a loving and generous community together. And I'll hold my hands up here. I thought when I started to prepare this sermon, I was going to be talking about a lot of this and unpacking some of those ideas in a bit more detail. But then I actually opened the Bible and looked at what the verse says in the context of the chapter and the whole book in which it's written. And I realized that although these sorts of ideas about helping one another out by bearing a burden, it's all good stuff. Don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. It's all very valid and very good stuff. But that is not what this verse is actually saying in the context of chapter 6 of Galatians. It reminded me that it's never a good idea to take a verse out of context from the Bible. We know that, don't we? You can't take one verse by itself. You need to look at it in the context of the book and the whole chapter to actually work out what it really says. So in a moment, we'll open our Bibles together, but let me pray for us before we do. Lord, we thank you for this chance to look at this verse from the book of Galatians together. And I pray that as we do, you would open our eyes to understand what you want to say to us through it and open our hearts to respond to you. In your name, amen. So, we are on page 1172 in Galatians chapter 6, and I'm going to read from verses 1 to 5 of that chapter, page 1172. Brothers and sisters, If someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. 
each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Something quite interesting going on there, isn't there? I wonder if you noticed as I read it. Not only does Paul tell the Galatians they are to carry one another's burdens, but then he carries on just a few verses later and says each one should carry their own load. Now, to me, that sounds a bit contradictory. I don't know what it sounds like to you. Bearing one another's burdens, carrying your own load, which is it? Is it possible to do both? How do those two things even work together? Well, we're going to try and unpick it. And what we're going to do this morning is work backwards through the passage. Okay? It's like change to the usual. Because I think it's actually easier to get our heads around it if we start at the end and work backwards. That's what we're going to do. So my first point today is that we should carry our own load. Let me read verses 4 and 5 again. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else, for each one should carry his own load. I think the key to what Paul is saying in these verses is the instruction to test our own actions. Basically, it means taking responsibility for our own Christian lives. Are we living and behaving in a way that honours God? This is what I think Paul means when he says we're to carry our own load. When it comes down to it, each of us is responsible before God for our own lives. Paul says this elsewhere in the book of Romans 14 verse 12. Each of us will give an account of themselves to God. Now, this does sound a little bit scary, a little bit challenging. So I've got a couple of questions to help us translate this slightly vague and scary idea of being responsible for our own lives, to translate it into something a bit more practical and actually work out what it looks like. So the first question is this. Have we, each one of us, accepted Jesus Christ as our saviour? Do we believe that he died on the cross and rose again, breaking down the barrier of sin and opening up the way for us to be in relationship with God? I think I shared before at this service how I came to my own faith in Christ. It was in quite a dramatic way at my first week at university when I heard a talk on the parable of the lost son. And I realized for the first time that God is my loving father and he was just longing for me to come running home into his arms of love. And at that moment, I placed my faith and trust in Jesus and committed my life to him. Now, it may be for you that, like me, you can identify a particular moment at which you made a commitment of faith. Or it may be that your faith has grown gradually over time. Both are okay. There's no better, no worse. The important thing is that we do trust in Jesus and what he has done on the cross, not in anything that we have or haven't done for ourselves. We can have that confident assurance in him that he, can, that he will never let us down. 
Paul writes in Romans 10 verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. It really is as simple as that. So when we ask what it means for us to carry our own load, to take responsibility for our own Christian journey, the first stage is simply to place our faith and trust in Jesus as our saviour, knowing that we are right with God because of his death and resurrection alone. But I've got a second question for us on this too. Because if we've accepted Christ as our saviour, Do we then seek to live with Christ as our Lord? What I mean by this is, do we try and put our faith into practice day by day so that being a Christian actually makes a difference practically to how we live? Now, don't get me wrong, don't hear me wrong on this. What we do doesn't affect our salvation. That is already certain because of the cross. But the way we live shows the reality of the faith that we have. Because faith is more than just believing a certain set of facts in our heads. Faith has to move from our head to our heart, changing our attitude, changing our feelings. And then it moves on into our hands and our feet as we put it into practice and live it out day by day. Back to our passage from Galatians. If we look at the end of the previous chapter, the end of chapter five, we see a picture of what it looks like to put our faith into practice in this way. In fact, Paul is generous on this. He gives us not one, but two pictures, a negative one and a positive one. First, the negative. This is how not to live. Galatians 5, verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. How did you feel as I read that list? There's a few bits that I kind of skate over and dismiss as things not relevant to me. You know, the sort of witchcraft, the orgies. But if we do that, it's easy to miss the bits that maybe do speak into our lives. For me, those are things like hatred, jealousy, selfish ambition. Those pull me up short and challenge me to pause and reflect on my life and lead me to repent of attitudes and actions that fall into those categories. Let's not dwell too long on the negatives because Paul gives us a positive example too. This is how we should live, Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. One way in which we could seek to go deeper in living as our faith is to take one of those fruit of the Spirit a day and pray in the morning for the Holy Spirit to grow that fruit more in your life that day. And when you get to day 10 and you've done all nine, why not start at the beginning and go around again? It's a really great way to seek to intentionally go deeper with God. 
So we are to carry our own load. We are to take responsibility for our own walk with God by trusting in him as our saviour and living for him as our Lord. I'm going to move on now to my second point, which is that we should have a right sense of our own identity. Let me read verses 3 and 4 of Galatians 6 again. If anyone thinks they are something when they are nothing, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves without comparing themselves to somebody else. Paul says we're not to think that we're something we're not. This is about being humble, no space for big egos, no inflated sense of our own importance. It's about remembering that we are sinners saved by grace. We're not models of perfection. And also, we shouldn't compare ourselves to others because isn't that just such a slippery slope to step out onto? Whether we're basing our ranking on who gets the most likes on social media, who does better at work, who we think is a better Christian or who lives a more holy life, whatever it is, there will always be people that, in our opinion, we think are doing better than us. And that can lead us to feel inadequate. And also, if we're honest, there will always be people who we think aren't doing quite as well as we are. And that can lead us into the trap of pride. Paul says we should avoid all of that. If we're to take pride in anything, it is in our identity in Christ, not in how we measure up against our fellow Christians. We read this also in John's letter, 1 John. He says this, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. I love how he says it twice, in case we didn't get the message the first time. We are called children of God, and that is what we are. You know, reinforcing the point, bringing it home. And that's what really struck me that night at university when I committed my life to God. That God is my loving father. I am his precious child. And I can just come home and be in that family relationship with him. So as we reflect on our identity as God's dearly loved children, I've got another question for us, and it's this. Whose voices do we listen to? Do we listen to the voice of the world around us that says, you're not good enough, you don't measure up in some way, whether that's in popularity, success, achievement, appearance, or whatever? Or do we listen to the voice of God that says, you are my precious child. You are dearly loved. Come to me and rest secure in that identity as my beloved son or daughter. My child, I love you. That is what God speaks over each of us. That is our identity in him that we can hold fast to as the basis for our lives. And so we come now to my third point, which gets us back to the start of our passage and back to our title for today, Bear One Another's Burdens. Let me read verses one and two again. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore them gently. 
but watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Paul writes that we're to keep our eyes open and notice when someone is caught in sin. Perhaps it might be that someone is caught in a cycle of destructive patterns of behavior that have more in common with the negative list we looked at in chapter five, rather than living out the fruit of the spirit. If that's the case, Paul writes that we are to seek gently to restore them. This might mean, in love and humility, having a conversation with them, pointing them back to the way of Christ. And we're to be careful that we don't get tempted too, because this call to bear one another's burdens doesn't cancel out the responsibility to carry our own load, to take responsibility for our own walk with God but it is rather a calling to come alongside someone else who is struggling to help them live for Christ. Let me just share a few practical thoughts on how we might begin to put this into practice. So firstly, if we're to to carry one another's burdens in this way, it relies on there being good, open, honest, and caring relationships within our Christian community. Paul writes to brothers and sisters in verse one, this is people who know each other at a much deeper level than a brief hello at church on a Sunday or that classic British cliche, hello, I'm fine, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? I'm fine too, and off you go into your day. As we seek to build a loving and generous community here, we long to get to know one another better and see relationships go deeper across the life of the whole church. But I do think that this sort of speaking the truth in love works best within a particular close relationship of trust and accountability. And there's a few ways in which that might be lived out. One great way is in small groups, which I know many of you are part of. And if you're not in a small group then, and you'd like to be, do have a word with me afterwards and we can chat about how we might make that work. For me, I've got a couple of examples where I trust individuals to speak truth into my life in this way. One is a mentor who has been in my life for a number of years now, somebody older and wiser than me, who has permission to challenge me and call me out on things where maybe I'm not living as God would want me to. Another is a prayer triplet that I'm part of. Two other girls of similar age to me, we met because we're all training for ordained ministry. And as well as praying for each other, we encourage and gently challenge each other where necessary too. So as well as joining a small group, if you're interested in getting someone in your life as a prayer partner, prayer triplet, or maybe even as a mentor, then again, have a chat with me or Stuart afterwards and we can talk about how that might work out in practice. My second practical thought is the importance of staying humble. Jesus writes in the Sermon on the Mount, it's a wonderful illustration, about how we shouldn't try and take a speck out of someone else's eye, whilst at the same time being blinded by a huge, great big plank in our own eye. We need to start by being aware of our own planks, recognizing that we're all sinners, and regularly coming before God in repentance ourselves. We need to acknowledge that we might not see the full picture 
of what's going on for someone else. So if we feel that there is a situation or relationship where God is calling us to put this into practice, start by praying and then pray some more. Pray for God to go ahead of the conversation, give you the right words to speak in love and humility, not in judgment or condemnation. Remember that you and the person you're talking to are both precious children of God, dearly loved by him. Keep praying, keep humble, keep your eyes on God. And finally, what if we're on the receiving end of someone speaking truth into our lives? Well, it can be hard to hear and to receive. But if it is spoken in the right spirit, in love, not judgment, then listen and weigh it carefully with humility. We don't have to take anything on board unquestioningly, but take time to pray and ask God if there is any truth in what is said. Remember that you and the person talking to you are both precious children of God, deeply loved by him. Keep praying. Keep on being humble. Keep your eyes on God. As I finish, let me just recap the journey we've been on through this passage from Galatians. We're to carry our own load, accepting Christ as our saviour and living for him as our Lord, taking responsibility for our own Christian lives and seeking to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Rooted in the knowledge that our identity is as dearly loved, precious children of God. And growing in relationship with one another, seeking to bear one another's burdens and help one another walk more closely with Christ in a loving and generous community. Amen.